welcome back to Girl With Something To Say. My name is Kenya Menjabar and I am your host. This is episode two and today we have a special guest. This person is an entrepreneur, business owner, dancer, scent guru, and a dear friend. Welcome Brooklyn native Shantique Walker. How are you doing today, girl? Hey, Kenya. What's going on? (laughs) I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for for making the time to just meet with me. Um, I'm excited for the people to to kind of know a little bit about you and, you know, your journey and what you're doing now and what you're up to. Um, So tell us a little bit about you, you know, and your background. Yeah, so my name is Shantique. I was born in Brooklyn, in an area called Flatbush. Um, I pretty much spent the beginning of my life moving around between different parts of Brooklyn and northern New Jersey. My parents are also from New York, but my father is of Jamaican descent. I feel like every black person from Brooklyn is Caribbean of some sort Mm -hmm. or African of, of whatnot. Different nationalities here, of course. Um, but I, I will say the beginning of my life was definitely interesting. I think I got to see a little bit of um, the inner city mm-hmm. in my early in my early life. You know, kind of between Brownsville and Bed Stuy is where we were living. Um, it's crazy to see how Bed Stuy, you know, and like areas have changed now, huh? Yeah, it, it it definitely has changed. I, I'm not, I I can't even lie. Brownsville is certainly Brownsville now. It it it's still it's still doing what it's doing. That's all I'm gonna say about Brownsville. I I love I love where I'm from, and I'm mm-hmm. very proud to be who I am. Um, I will say probably around twelve or thirteen, my parents, they um, my mom I should say, she moved us to New Jersey, mm-hmm. a specific specifically a very suburb area of New Jersey Mm -hmm. and that really really changed my life because it went from I went from living in cities living in like the inner city to living in white suburbia Mm. and being the only one of the only black kids in class and like battling and going through racism around Mm. that time it really really shaped me in a way that some could say there was some benefits to it, experiencing it that young. So I'm not surprised by racism as an adult. I know how to um, interact with people who are not like me, who don't understand people like me. Mm. But I do say at that time of my life, like your early adolescence, like mm-hmm. teen, preteen t- into teen, um, when you're just trying to figure out who you are and you're surrounded by people who they don't understand you and they put stereotypes on Mm. you like teachers didn't didn't think that I could be in their class because it was an AP class it was some kind of honest class and I feel like I had to prove like Mm. hey you don't even know me and Mm. you don't think I'm smart enough to be here so like I really felt like I had to prove that I gotta stick up for black people I gotta stick up for a black young girl like me they think I can't do it so I'm gonna do it and I think that kind of transitions me into when I went to college mm-hmm. of like I picked up the career. I studied accounting um, and I first started taking accounting classes when I was in high school. And that's a hard career. You know, I I think it depends on like who you are and how much you, you like um, accounting. <laughs> it, it can be. I don't want to say that it's easy in the sense of yeah. like, 
oh, like we just wake up and like anyone can do this. Mm. But what I mean by that is if you put in the work, you put in the time, you put in the work, you can do it. And it's very rewarding. Like there's there's money in accounting. Um, and I almost feel like there will always be money in accounting because it's definitely one of the careers where I haven't really seen any body struggle in mm. accounting at all. Like, what do you mean? Struggle to get a job. Oh, okay. Struggle to, with finances. Mm. Um, struggle as far as like, you know, they don't, they might not know what's next. There's always something to do in accounting, which I like. Right? I know you said like, you know, I guess it really depends on your skills. Um, but I heard the exam is very difficult. Oh, the CPA uh-huh. exams. Yes. So, um, I mean, I am also, I am a CPA. Now, that's a whole nother level of accounting <laughs> that other people don't want to do. If you mm. just study accounting in school and you get you a job, you don't necessarily need a CPA. But if you, you just got to tell the people. I got to tell the people you have you, that, though. But if you do, if you do go for the license, man, that was a journey. It mm-hmm. took me two years. Man, two years to pass all four parts of that exam to get my, I had to get the credits. I had to get, you have to have like a certain, you have to have one year of like full-time work experience. Mm -hmm. So I was getting that done while I was in grad school. It was just a lot going on to get that license. And like, let me tell you something that is not for the week. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was going to die several times. Oh girl. Several times taking those exams. And you know something when I was taking my exams, it was during it, when the when the pandemic started. Uh-huh. It was like I was in the middle of the, those exams, so they call it CPA exam, but it's really it's a breakdown of into four parts. Mm-hmm. So like I had when the pandemic started, I had like two more parts to pass. Yeah, and then all the testing centers closed, like work changed, school changed. It was just it was a lot going on. So I will say the CPA is really really tough. Mm-hmm. And um, it took me, it took a lot out of me, to be honest, to be able to pass that and get my license. But I felt it was worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only, um, of all the CPAs in America, less than 1% of them are black. And you're one of them. And I'm one of them. And like, think about that. Like, not just less than Dang, 1% wow. of them are black. But what about the percentage of that that's women? Yeah, black women. Right. Black women specifically, and then women in general. Like, how many CPAs are women? I don't know the statistics on that. I never looked it up, but there's not a lot of women CPAs. There probably are now because Mm -hmm. I'm starting to see a lot more women in the field, I guess, like, um, from my perspective. But I do think, like, that's something special, and I thought that it was worth fighting for. Like, I think the first black woman CPA in New York, I looked her up, but I forgot her name. It's slipping my mind. I know she passed away in, I think, 2015. And when I was reading up about her, it basically said that, like, when you get your license, you're supposed to have, like, one year of experience. The firms wouldn't hire her. Oh, wow. The firms in New York, they wouldn't hire her for one. At first, it was because she was black. But then she found a black firm mm. and a, a black firm so she can get her experience to get her license. And the black firm, they didn't hire her because she was a woman. Within. It, it it's, really, just, it's, it's too much intersectionality yeah. there. Yeah. And like when I was reading up about her, I was like, wow, she passed away in 2015. I'm oh, like, wow. that means she was alive in my lifetime. Like I could have met the first black woman CPA in, in the state of New York mm-hmm. in my lifetime had I had known about her, had I had had the opportunity to 
to speak to her. I would have loved to have that opportunity, mm-hmm. but it is something to think about. Yeah. Which is why I I was very intentional about getting that license. Right. But I do want to say this. I started to I started taking accounting classes in high school, mm-hmm. and um, that's kind of where I started to get the idea that that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember like. When it was time to go to college, some of the kids saying, oh, Shantique, you're going to college? Uh, and it's crazy mm. to me that they would say it in that way, it's meaning like it's a surprise, mm. the assumption that I'm not going to mm. go to school. And I think... I and never, do you think that that had something to do with, obviously, like, race? I think it had a lot to do with race. I think it had... I mean, because I think, like, dang, like, I've been in this school for two years now. You've, you've known me since middle school. It's been four or five years now, whatever the time limit is, and... What about me has proven to you that I can't do this? Mm. I'm sitting here in the same honors classes that you're sitting in here. That why would you think that? Mm-hmm. Why else would you think that I'm I wouldn't want to go to yeah. college? Or like, um, I think I remember. Or I think I think it was like accounting three. I might have been like a junior. That class was really small. I think it was like four or five of us. Oh, wow. And um, of the four or five of us, I was the only, I was the youngest in there. So everyone was seniors. I was a junior. I was the only girl. Mm. We had a teacher who was a woman. And um, I was the only person of color. So I was the only black person, the only anything. The other people in my class, they were young. They were guys. They were seniors. They were white. And they were cool. But I remember thinking like, Oh, wow, I'm different. And mm. like the, the my first day I went to school, I went to the class and the teacher was like, are you sure you're in the right class? Wow. And I'm like, yeah, this is accounting three, right? Yeah, this is the right class. Yep. Oh. And she checked the schedule. She's like, oh, I guess, I guess so. And that's not the first time that that happened to mm-hmm. me. That happened to me when I took an honors class, I think the year before. That happened to me almost every year of high school. Mm-hmm. I think except that last year, my senior year. Every year of high school, that would happen. I would walk into a class. They'd be like, are you sure you're in the right class? Like, this is the honors class, such and such and such. And I just wonder what about me Mm. made them think that I wasn't supposed to be there. Do you think it changed, I guess, that hearing that changed when you went to college? It it really it really stuck with me. I'm not gonna lie because it made me think. Now I have to prove that mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Now I have to prove that I'm smart enough to be mm-hmm. here. Or like, sometimes I'm a pretty extroverted person, but sometimes in classes I would be quiet because I would think if I raise my hand, if I answer this question, I have to be right. Because if mm-hmm. I'm not right, they mm-hmm. already don't think I'm supposed to be here. In college, that happened. I would as well. say that was more like in high school. Okay. By the time I got to college, it was a lot different. Mm-hmm. I went to college in Maryland. Um, I loved my school. I'm not even gonna lie. I'm not gonna say that they are that racism <laughs> wasn't there, yeah. but I will say that I loved my school and I loved my experience down there. I felt like there was a lot of people in my corner mm-hmm. and rooting for me to win at my school. Like they really set you up for success. Like if you go through a business school at Towson or the or the accounting program there's no way you can come out without a job without sufficient knowledge to to work in accounting work in the finance fields unless you don't want to Mm -hmm. that's all i'll say unless you don't want those things then you won't have a job you won't work but if you want it it's there for you and they have the resources and i really felt like my i remember her name is dr rouse she was the accounting director i think um 
she's the one that convinced me to go to the school just by meeting her. And then when I met her again, she's the one that convinced me to start going out and putting my resume out, even as a freshman. Mm, that's good. I got internships because of her. Like, it was just... I really felt like I had a great college experience, but I do. I wanted to to tell that story of when I was in high school because I think a lot of that was the drive behind mm. me, behind me wanting to shoot for the stars throughout college and like even when I started working at the Big Four, um, one of the Big Four accounting firms, okay. and even to even to getting my CPA license, mm. like a lot of my motivation. Mm tied back to those moments when I was in high school and they were like, are you supposed to be here? Like, are you sure you're mm-hmm. in the right class? Like sometimes now that I'm on the other side of going through my career in that way, I'm thinking like, do I really like accounting? Do I really want to do this? Or was some part of me wanted to achieve the highest that I could wrong. achieve here just to prove them wrong? Mm-hmm. Teachers who don't remember me, mm-hmm. students who probably don't remember me, yeah. but I never forget what they said. Mm-hmm. I remember I had one teacher in high school, and I think at that, and I'm not saying that I'm like this stellar high school student or yeah. anything crazy like that, but I always tried my best, mm-hmm. right? I always tried my best. I'm not going to sit here and say I was a straight A student, but I got pretty decent grades for sure. And um, I will say this, I will never forget this one teacher she i had gotten i think the highest grade on that test in the class and i and i didn't know know that at the time but when she was passing out she was like you know shanti got the highest grade in the class it's crazy that y'all let that happen <gasps> she said that yeah wow and you you did did you always keep this inside did you ever tell your parents um i never told my parents mm. I mean, I would tell my parents some things like my dad, like he'll never forget what that teacher said to me on day one where I was like, dad, like she said, are you sure you're in the right class? Like to the point where he's like, remember that teacher? You should go back Mm -hmm. and you should you should show her your license. (laughs) This is that and third. I'm like, all right, dad. But I think that I didn't always tell them that my my parents were always I would say they were always busy with something else, mm. you know, and like I know that they try their best, but like mm. it didn't always feel like I could come home and really talk about mm. these things because there was so much life happening. Mm. Like my mom was always on the road. We always had a show. We mm. was running back and forth. By that time we was in New- living in New Jersey, mm-hmm. but we were running back and forth to New York like every other day. Mm-hmm. There was a show. There was a performance. She had to work. We had a house in Queens at the time, so we were living in Queens and Jersey. It was like... I come home from school and this stuff is happening. And then as soon as I get off the bus from school, we in the car and we on our way to New York mm-hmm. to help my mom with some performance. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, where in that time do we really have to really be like, mom, like this is happening at school. And I think sometimes when I would talk to my parents about some of this stuff, my mom would say like, hey, we put you in the best school in mm-hmm. all of North New Jersey. You know, like we moved you out mm-hmm. of... Brooklyn, we moved you out of Brownsville. We moved you out of Bed-Stuy. Like, so I, anything you got going on, like, this is nothing compared to the gangs oh, yeah. and to the violence that, that was going on where we're from. Yeah. Like, and I think a larger part of why we moved to that area of New Jersey around my adolescence, around 12 or 13, I think it has a lot to do with, like, I have a younger brother who's only a year younger than me, and the gangs were looking at him. 
wow. they were like there was at one point where he was about to get jumped like st- it was just stuff was just happening and my mother was like y'all not about to get my son mm. so you you talk a lot about how you felt like you had to prove yourself you know yeah. because of all of the kids you went to school with the teachers do you ever felt like you had that pressure from your parents, like part, like in your life? Like, do you feel like you had pressure from them to also be like, I need to prove them, you know, prove prove whoever wrong and and get this degree for them? Like, did you ever feel that? Um, I mean, I do want to start by saying that my parents are divorced, mm-hmm. so I do come from a broken home in the sense of mm. I didn't have a two-parent household yeah so um but my my parents both of them were always in my life Mm -hmm. it just they were divorced they weren't together anymore um by the time I was that age I would say my parents made me believe that I could do anything I wanted to do Mm, like there was really no pressure from them or from my mom about like you have to prove this you have Mm -hmm. to do that they almost they they almost like made me have like my own confidence in myself because of how much they believed in me. It was like, yeah, you're smart enough to do that. Like, why can't you do it? You can do it. And like, it made me believe I could do anything. Like, if I told my parents today, like even after um, all this studying and, and, and starting my career, like in accounting or whatnot, that, hey, forget this accounting stuff. Like, I want to be on the moon. Like, <laughs> I want to be an astronaut. Mm-hmm. They would be like, "Oh man, that would be amazing," and my dad would probably send me some books, Aww. like The Astronaut for Dummies sweet, or sweet. something like that. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that that's the kind of belief that they mm-hmm. have in me. Like, my mom, she there was nothing, there was nothing that my parents didn't believe that I couldn't do. They're just like, "Listen, find what you want, and like, we support what I, we think that you could do it. Like, yeah. you're a star." And like, I think that attitude from both of them, from both my mom and my dad is what really have helped me to have my own confidence of like even to this day like I don't think that there's anything that I can't do. Mm. Like even if it seems impossible, like I'm not a runner, I hate running, but <laughs> if I think that I could run a marathon yeah. if I really wanted to. Yeah. And I don't think that there's any doubt in my mind that I could oh, do it. Yeah. I don't know anything that much about cars, but I don't have any doubts in my mind that I could become a mechanic next year if I really wanted to do that. And I think that that confidence really comes from, I think, my parents. Like, they, mm. they were pretty much, they were they were really supportive in whatever I wanted to do. So do you think, you know, you have this confidence, right? You've, you've gone through all these trials of getting where you're at. Um, do you think this played a role into opening your business, right? Becoming mm. an entrepreneur. We kind of spoke before about how it's easy to have an idea. It's easy to be like, I want to do this. But it's the execution, right? It's how do I do this? How do I start? When do I start? But you did it, right? Yeah. So I guess tell us a little bit about how you started um, and like navigate, you know, like help us walk through that. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about my parents. So Uh I will say this. I think because of like how I was raised, I feel like I've always been an entrepreneur Mm. because for one, my mom's an entertainer. So she's an entrepreneur. So we were pretty much her street team. Like anytime <laughs> she had a show or something, we were passing out flyers. We were selling her CDs, which people don't 
have like CDs anymore, but growing up they did. We were it's like the burner CDs. Yes, we were we were selling her her CDs. We were promoting her music. We that. were we were going to her shows. Like, hey, my mom buy my mom CD. Da da da. Here's a flyer. <laughs> the seventh third. Yada yada yada. We were helping her put her CDs together. We were burning the disc for her sometimes. Family business. Family so it business. was kind of like I felt like I've always been an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and I think like. My parents, it's kind of like they, they, they weren't very strict. So, like, mm-hmm. whatever I wanted to do, I could do, but they weren't funding everything. They'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, you want to start a lemonade business? That's, that's cute. You can go ahead and do that. But they wasn't funding it. So, <laughs> I would always have to find the money. Find, uh-huh. find what am I going to do? Okay, how am I going to do this? Uh-huh. So, the freedom was nice, but I think um, at the time it felt like, dang, like, I wish I didn't have to do this mm-hmm. by myself. I always had my siblings, of course. But I think that is kind of what helps me have no, um, not be afraid to start something now and mm-hmm. like not really know what's going on and just pull the money from where it needs to be pulled from and let's just get it together. Like just, just take the jump and just do it. I think a lot of people are afraid to open up businesses or, or start something because they think they're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And then also they're used to the safety net mm-hmm. of where whatever it is that's keeping them safe whether like i think some people who come from two-parent households who they're financially stable and like it's hard for them to leave that because they feel like well i've known this safe cocoon i I don't know what it's like to be out on my own and like there's a risk and if i fail what happens then like I, i need to go back to the safe cocoon i think um you have to be willing to take a risk and I was willing to take a risk. Um, and you have to be okay if it doesn't work out. Like, if you took a risk and it didn't work out, did you die? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> did you die? You learned from it. You right. And I think there is, some, there, is something to, there is something to, for one, wisdom in, hey, I started my business um, and I need more money from other places. Mm-hmm. Because maybe within the first year of business, you're not going to be making a lot of money. Right. Or enough money to really sustain you. There's something to having other things going on, Mm -hmm. but be prepared to have your time Mm -hmm. taken up by everything. Um, So I think for one, to answer your original question, um, for one, I was very confident in my skills. So I have an accounting, a tax and accounting business. And then I also have a fragrance oil business. But my tax and accounting business is really what is my bread and butter. I um I was very confident in my skills. I mean, obviously, I, I've been I did the education part. I got the license part. I have been working full time at that point in time for about two and a half, almost three years. So I had some experience, and um, I was just confident in my experience. And like, I just thought, like, if this fails, I'm not going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and the crazy part is, I had already been getting clients before I even started the business because mm-hmm. people were like, "Oh, Shantique knows how to do this." Can you, can you tell like people a little bit about what the business is? Yeah, so Walker Solutions, we are a tax and accounting business. So what that means is, of course, I do taxes and all those things, but I also do financial accounting. So like bookkeeping, payroll, like I do, um, I do a little bit of auditing. I have a, a nonprofit audit that I'm working at right now, working on right now. I do like, what is it called? Like, um... Of course, I do taxes in tax season, but I also do tax planning. Mm-hmm. So for people who are maybe they're trying to buy a house and they want to know the tax implications of this or they're trying to sell their house, <laughs> they're trying to do an investment property. Maybe they're trying to take out like um, 
some of their retirement uh, funds and they want to know like if I do this what could happen mm-hmm. so tax planning is what I do outside of the major tax season as well as like auditing and financial accounting and so on and so forth so these are skills that I have and that I've already had for a minute so I knew that starting a business doing this like I felt confident in myself I am the product there's a huge difference I would say between a service business and a product business mm. so I had to learn that really <laughs> quickly like my service business the startup fees were not as high as I would say as my product based business so my product based business is the fragrance oils mm-hmm. and Cintiq. Cintiq yes and Cintiq <laughs> actually makes me a lot less money than Walker Solutions but Cintiq had a higher um, what is it called market to entry cost mm. Or I said, what is it? A cost to market? Cost to entry. (laughs) I don't know. I'm learning. Basically, what that means is that, like, in order to do business in this market, it has, like, a high cost to enter. Product business a lot more because of the labels. You've got to get, like, the packaging right. You've got to get the products. You've got to have all of this stuff ready. Um, You've got to get pictures and stuff done of the products. There's, like, website fees if you want to do that. You've got to ship stuff out, like... The product business is a lot of work that I did. I was not <laughs> expecting. I was I was thinking I love fragrance oils. I've been testing out these oils for about one or two years. Like easy to just start selling this. <laughs> I was not aware of like all that it was going to take. But the service business, because I am the service, mm-hmm. like a lot of what I had to do there is like what I got a new laptop, what I I got some, I got a logo. Mm-hmm. I had somebody help me with the social media and such. Like I had, what was it? I had to get a new system, a new uh, tax software that I use. There wasn't, there wasn't too many big expenses at, um, as a service-based business. I honestly think I prefer the service-based business over the product-based business. Mm-hmm. I think the service-based business is so much easier in a sense of like, um, your overhead is not so much because yeah. you are the product. So you have two businesses, yes. right? Walker Solutions and you have Scentiq, mm-hmm. which is your fragrance oil business. Yes. And I've plug, I've had some, it's actually really good. So, okay, you know, no. you're going to have to buy some, <laughs> um, but there's, I'm sure there's been challenges, you know, within both. Um, can you explain a little bit about, you know, challenges you've had to overcome and any advice you would give to anyone that is maybe going through a similar process? Yeah, I mean, I would say the Walker Solutions, my accounting and tax business, I think the biggest challenge with that is like realizing that I am the only person here and like there's nobody to check my work. There's nobody to like go Mm, over this. It's mm -hmm. like I do something. I have the final say so. That's it. What I was used to was in school, you know, you do something, you you do a tax return or whatnot. You turn it in. The teacher checks it. The professor checks it. They're like, hey, you could have added this. You could have did that. Or when I started working full time. You, you, you know, you, you, you do some work and then somebody above you who's been there for X amount of years would say, hey, you did this right. You did that right. That's perfect. Boom. We could submit this. Now it's done. But when I went to business for myself, it was like, oh, wait, like I am the expert. Hmm. And yes, I have confidence in myself, mm-hmm. but it's also like, OK, I have to double check my own work and then realize that there's nobody else in this business to do that. So like. Sometimes I would come across, um, hey, I will make mistakes here. 
And I would beat myself up about it. I'd be like, oh man, like I could have got that person back a little bit more money had I known about this new tax code that came out. Like that's mm. very specific. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe if I had um, somebody like a, a a partner here, like another CPA here, they could have checked my work and, and helped me find this other tax code or whatever it is. But I, I think sometimes you have to allow yourself to make the mistakes yeah. and just learn from them. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, yes, I have to double, triple and quadruple check my, my own work mm -hmm. because I'm the only person in my business who's doing this. And um, there's no professor. There's no like senior manager. Mm -hmm. Like if you work in corporate America or whatnot, there's nobody above you who is like doing the double, triple, quadruple checks or whatnot. You have to do that yourself. And um, I think that that was a, I think that was a lesson for me just to be more detailed about my work. I think something else that I would say that I learned is I know people always say this, but time management, mm, because mm. I think because I, I work, you know, so it's like I have other things going on. I dance. So it's like I wanted to keep all these things in my life, but also I have a new business. I've got all these clients and. You know, the clients don't really care what else you got going on. <laughs> they're paying you. They, they're paying you. They're like, listen, I like I have one client. She sent me like a letter from the IRS at like, let's say she sent it at like, I think 10 o'clock that morning. Right. Two o'clock that afternoon, she called me and was like, you got that letter. Have you seen it? Did you write the response yet? I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. It's only been a few hours and there's a list of other clients in front of you that I've got to do stuff for. And it's not that I don't value her. It's not that I don't value her as a client. From my perspective as a new business owner, it's like, okay, how do I prioritize, make my clients feel like I, I do care? Because I do mm -hmm. care about them. And let them know like, hey, you know, I'm working on this and I will get this back to you at the end of the week. And stick to your deadline. Stick mm -hmm. to that deadline. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want them to think she hasn't gotten back to me in a week. And she just doesn't care or whatnot. I think being open about communication without um, being open about communication, having a schedule, having time management. I had to learn how important that was because mm. sometimes my clients would send me things. And um, in my mind, I'm thinking, OK, I'll get to that on Friday. But from their perspective, they're like, well, I haven't heard from you. What's going on? Like, are you taking a look at this? Like, I, I need help. Da, 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 da. From my perspective, it's like, okay, I'll just get back to you next week on this because I'm doing this, is that, and the third. I've got another client here. I've got work. I've got the other business stuff. They don't know that. And I realize I need to be more adamant about mm -hmm. my communication with them, adamant about my time management, and then adamant about having real expectations of when I can get this mm, done and then knowing when is enough like mm, mm -hmm. your first year of business you're thinking I want to take on as many clients as possible but I don't do you know I don't only do Walker Solutions I don't only do Cintiq I don't only work full-time you know like I do all these I do all these things <laughs> I do all these things but I'm only one mm -hmm. person so it's like if I only did Walker Solutions, like I would be able to have a tighter deadline. If I only did Cintiq, I would be able to have a, a tighter deadline, but I don't. And I'm okay with that. And um, sometimes I have to turn people away mm -hmm. because as much as I would love another nonprofit client right now, I don't have the capacity to take that on right now. And like as a new business owner, it's hard to be able to turn down work. Mm. to be like this is work 
But it's it's better to be honest with yourself and give yeah. yourself grace, you know, with, with anything. I think it's anything new that you do or want to pursue, it's grace is always so hard to to give yourself because you're yeah. like like you said, as a first time business owner or first time doing anything, you're like, I need to do this, this, and this, I need to prove people wrong, I need to, you know, yeah. succeed. But it's like, okay, hold on. <laughs> what is my capacity? What can I truly do and succeed at, right? What is a goal that I can obtain? Yeah. Um, but give yourself grace. You know, you're doing a great job. You're how many, how many, is it a year in within this company? We are, so December is when I started. So we're good 10 months in, oh, 10, cool. 11 months in. Almost a year. Almost we're rounding year. up, we're rounding up. Almost, <laughs> almost a year. And you know, I will say this, it's a blessing mm-hmm. to, to be able to say within my first year of opening my practice, I'm turning down clients. Oh, come on. I'm in the green. And like, I just want to give all glory to God because... This is nothing but the Lord who who blessed me with this ability, who mm-hmm. blessed me with these opportunities, who blessed me with the clients, and who blessed me with the skills to be able to do this. Like, I'm so, so, so grateful for everyone who who's, is coming to me, who's trusting me with their information, who's trusting my advice, and so on and so forth. But all glory to God, I'm so grateful. I think um, within you know, starting something new, it's so important to have people that affirm you and hold you accountable and are really in your corner. Like, do you think that's been a big, um, a big asset, you know, during these, this, what, 10 months and starting Centique, like that's been such a blessing to have is those people in your corner who are rooting for you. You know, I, I think sometimes you don't realize like who, how many people are really there for you and rooting for you. Because I think before I started the businesses, not that I didn't know I had mm-hmm. people who cared or people who wanted to support or whatnot. But I think like it's different when, when it's in theory. Like, yeah, like my mom loves me. Yeah, my mom would support me. Mm-hmm. But then when you have something to support, are they going to show up? Mm-hmm. It's like you think, hey, like I'm a dancer, right? Like I think... Yeah, I love to dance. Yeah, like my friends and them, they support me in this. But when I have a show, are they going to show up? Mm-hmm. And I think like when I started the business, that was kind of like the so many people believed in me when I was taking the exams. Who's going to actually show up? Mm-hmm. Who's going to come on board? Who's going to take me seriously as a business owner, as a mm-hmm. you know freelance mm-hmm. CPA? Um, and... To see like the amount of people that that really trusted me, that was just like, yeah, we've seen you work. I know you, and I want you to do my taxes this year. Like I want, like you, sm- you always smell good. Like, you know, like <laughs> whatever it is, like there are people who like when I first launched Cintiq and I first started selling, like I was selling out within the first few, within the first week. Honestly, That's so crazy. The first week I was selling out. I'm just like, this is crazy. Like. Yes, people love to smell good, of course, mm-hmm. but it's like people could buy people could buy what I sell on so many other platforms. I'm not the only person who does mm-hmm. accounting and, and tax. Mm-hmm. I'm not the only person who sells fragrance oils, especially here in New York. You take a quick trip to Harlem, they got oils for days. The oil <laughs> man is always on a corner, every single corner. Even in Brooklyn, we have the oil man too, but I know in Harlem, is it's a lot more abundant, but... They they bought for me. Oh yeah, and they come back. It's like whoa! It's 
it feels good to be not be supported verbally by people, but then to see people put their money where their mm-hmm. mouth is. That's important. It's important. Well, I'm, I'm happy that all these things are working out. You know, of course, there's going to be trial and errors, but, mm-hmm. you know, you're overcoming and you're learning and you're growing. And that's really what, what matters. You know, you're, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. But it's all about learning and growing and continuing to walk, you know, walk out the journey because it's a journey. It's not going to, it's not going to be one and done. One plus one equals two. That's not how it works, <laughs> you know? Right. Something I do want to say though, I know that I forgot the statistic and I wish I had it in front of me, but I think it was, it, I think it might've been 60 to 70% of first year businesses come out in the red, mm. meaning they did not, they spent more money. They had more expenses mm-hmm. than they had income, sales, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And I did not experience that for Walker Solutions, for my service-based business. Mm-hmm. But I experienced that for Centique mm-hmm. because that cost to entry um, into that market was pretty high. You know, like I spent a lot of time testing those oils and money and resources. I spent a lot of time going through different labels I spent a lot of time, like, I would order labels. They would come in wrong. I have to reorder them. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out packaging and um, which oils would be, like, the main oils that I would use. And I ordered too many different kinds. Like, it was just it was just a lot of trial and error on the product-based business that ended up costing a lot more than I would have expected. Now, going into year two of Cintiq, you know, I, I learned so much from that, meaning I know exactly what I want when I order my, um, when I order my shipments, um, how I want things. I know exactly what size boxes I need mm-hmm. to use for my fragrance oils. Like, I know what I want the presentation to look like. Like, that took some time to get to the final product of like, okay, what's this going to look like when somebody has this in hand? doing the whole shipping thing, going back and forth to the post office. That was like a whirlwind. And I, I just want, I want, if there is any other business owners or entrepreneurs that are listening to this and that maybe they haven't experienced like their business being profitable yet, mm-hmm. I've experienced that too. And I think that most businesses, small businesses in their first year, don't see a profit Mm -hmm. and that's a hundred percent normal and it's okay Mm. you live and you learn you move on to the next year also something to know is that that's why it's important i believe to have multiple streams of income Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't mean that you need to work yourself to death Mm -hmm. um having three and four and five and six different jobs but it is important to make sure that you are taken care of that Mm -hmm. you can put food on your table so Mm -hmm. If that means that the business that's not bringing bringing in money needs to get a little bit less of you, I don't see an issue with that. I don't know if there's other entrepreneurs or business owners that might tell you differently, but there was a time where Walker Solutions was bringing in so much more money and it was taking up more of my time. So my orders for Cintiq, I wasn't as much on top of them as I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Everyone got their orders, of course, but it got a little bit less of me mm-hmm. because of that. And... I feel like I've still been able to be successful in that, but I don't really know what other business owners would say. I can only speak from my perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think it's all about when you start something is making sure you put time towards it, right? If you want, that's with anything, like learning new skills, like yeah. photography, social media. If you're not putting in the time to 
try and learn and, 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 you know, maybe, uh, try it out. Like, you know, maybe like take YouTube lessons or, you know, YouTube videos or something. You're not gonna, you're not gonna learn or grow towards that. Right. Um, so it's all about putting a little bit of time, you know, maybe an hour a day. It's all about time management, which is super hard. Cause I, I, girl, <laughs> I feel like that's like an adult thing. Like it's, it's, it's bigger than just being like an entrepreneur uh-huh. or whatnot. It's like, even before I started the businesses, time management was a thing. <laughs> it was like, I want to dance, but I also got this job. Mm-hmm. I also want to be there for the kids. The, How many hours of sleep can yeah, I get? Right. Can I function with, you I know? I gotta drink water. <laughs> girl. <laughs> Who's going to cook this food? <laughs> Did I eat today? Right. Really? But thank you for sharing your experience. I think, you know, uh, people are going to learn a lot from what you've had to say, from what you've gone through, from your experiences. Um, so shameless plug, just a couple <laughs> things. So two things. So Walker Solutions is the accounting and tax business that I run. So I do three major things there. I do consulting. Um, I do financial accounting and I do taxes. So that could mean tax planning. Um, that could mean bookkeeping, doing QuickBooks. That could mean producing financial statements. That could mean doing payroll for a company. That could mean just consulting my advice on um, business owning in general from an accounting and finance perspective. And then for Cintiq Fragrance Oils, basically what that is is I make or I have Cintiq Fragrance Oils. I have oils that are inspired by perfumes and colognes that already exist. So instead of spending X amount of dollars on whatever designer fragrance um, is out there, you can get the oil. The oil lasts longer. It's better for your skin than the perfumes. I'm not saying it's perfect for your skin, but it's better to use an oil on your skin than to use a spray perfume if you choose to do that. And on top of that, if you already have the designer fragrances, you could pair it with the oil to make your scent last even longer all day. So those are my two businesses. I thank you guys so much for (laughs) um, listening to this podcast and even hearing some of my thoughts. And I hope to see or hear from any of you guys sometime soon. Yeah, thank you for for coming on. Um, It's a girl with something to say. We'll see y'all next week. So stay tuned. Bye.